Okay. Right. Three, two, one. Hello, friends. Patrick Clark here. I'm here with Brian. How you doing today, Brian? Doing good, man. Countdown is on. Games are approaching. Yeah, I mean, we got about five weeks of the games, but instead of uh, talking about the games, uh, I think you have something cool planned for us. But before we talk about that, I think you wanted to talk about something else, right? Yeah, um, you know, we're, we're coming up on about two months. We launched on, on May 1st when, you know, at this point, we feel like we've, you know, given you guys an opportunity to see what we're all about. You know, many of you have known who I am, what I do, what we're about for years now. You know, Patrick and I obviously have a lot of experience in this space, but new thing, Be Friendly Fitness. There's a big group of you guys that were jumping on board right away to support what we were doing, and we cannot express gratitude for that enough. Um, but we also want to start talking about the fact that we do have uh, some ways for other people to be supportive and get involved if they want. And in the long run for us, probably the best thing is, is to support us on Patreon. And we have a lot of plans and ambitions to continue bringing you guys cool and unique content, informative and accurate analysis and information. We'll be traveling around the world, going to different events, doing coverage, having video, audio uh, platforms in the future, and obviously the written stuff. So if you want to be supportive of Be Friendly Fitness and what we're doing, the best way to do it is follow us on Patreon, be a supporter there. We have some cool stuff coming down the pipeline for people who are part of that Patreon community. Um, so if, if you saw, this is something that you like, that's an easy way to get involved and support us moving forward. Yeah, so you can go on patreon.com, look up Be Friendly Fitness, or click on the link in the bio, help us out. I mean, again, we want to send a shout out to all those who, who've been there from day one. I think we have uh, a... Going in today, over, over 80 Patreon. So, you know, shout out to them and we can't wait to show you what we have planned in the future. Speaking of the future, you can't talk about the future without talking about the past. So, what do you have planned for? What, what are we talking about today, Brian? Yeah, you know, every time the CrossFit Games comes around since 2014, I like to take a look back to kind of prepare myself for this year's version of the games. You never know what you're going to learn by looking backwards. And in this case, we're going way back to the ranch era. So 2007, 8, and 9 only. And we're breaking down the top 10 athletes from those three years at the CrossFit Games on the men's side. Yeah, so only three years. But I think Brian's got a lot of information to talk about when it comes to those three years of competing. Absolutely. There's you know lessons learned and uh, a lot of things that happened uh, during those three years at the Games that paved the way across the board for what we've seen the CrossFit Games become. But there was also no shortage of great athletic performance. And so I've sifted through those three years of uh, men who, who made the trek out to Aromas to compete. And these are the guys I think are the top 10 amongst them. All right, let's start. Let's get right into it. Let's start with number 10. Yeah, you know, it, it was uh, only three years, but there was definitely a, a rapid crescendo in terms of the difficulty uh, and robustness of the competition in three years. First year, you know, people who've been following.com and heard about it and could make the trip showed up. And I think that for a lot of other people, they were kind of watching and waiting to see what it was. We had more participation in 2008. And then in 2009, Dave stepped up the game big time, basically twice as many workouts, a great deal of difficulty. Jason Kleepa famously said on uh, one of the behind the scenes with Sevon, um, this, you know, whoever, the games in 2009 is not messing around. And sure enough, they weren't. Four new faces came in and placed one through four that year, beating everyone, every returner from the previous two years. Last amongst those four is Steve Willis, fourth place in his only appearance in 2009, actually his only appearance ever at the Games, um, but tremendous performance in one year, earns him the 10 spot on our list. He may be number 10 to you, 
when it comes to performance, but he's number one in terms of tattoos. Look at that thing. That, that is amazing. I love it. I love it. And uh, I want to give a shout out to CrossFit. We I was able to find all these images just Googling through CrossFit. Went to the old CrossFit Games website and I was able to pull up a lot of these beauty, beautiful pictures. Yeah, these are great and really help, you know, give a give a picture of what some of these guys looked like back then. Obviously, incredible tattoo. And moving to number nine, you're going to see a guy who, you know, this is year one or two at the games, and you can see the physique that he has here. Um, Brett Marshall, second place in the inaugural year, only a few points behind the champion that year, takes an event win in the Hopper, iconic event from the first season, still holds a, like, a legacy in this space. He kind of uh, was the first guy to do butterfly pull-ups in competition, small ninja-like athlete, very, very fit. And uh, he comes in with that second place, the 39th in 2008, and it warrants him the nine spot. Yeah. I mean, you look at the physique on him outside of the swimming trunks, uh, the old school swimming trunks. You look at him right there, he almost looks like a mirror of image, a body style, the like Brent Mikowski. Yeah, extremely chisel, well defined. Yep. Yeah. So moving on for nine to eight, Mo Kelsey. Mo Kelsey, another guy who comes in in 2009. Um, and takes a third place overall in the competition, finishing about 10 spots ahead of Steve. He had some up and downs that year, but a bunch of good finishes. And, um, you know, this is a good opportunity to say that, like, Kelsey did come back and compete the following year. But for us, we were only looking at those three years. Anything the athletes did after was not considered for this. So in terms of our criteria, one appearance, third place, and what we think was the most competitive year, Mo Kelsey, number eight. I mean, got that cutoff sleeve showing off a little bit of the tricep on that deadlift. Oh, all right, what do we got for number seven? I think that for the most part, yeah, for the most part, we're going to, uh, most of the rest of the list will be names that people are, even from like the modern era, are relatively familiar with. Obviously, Chris Spieler is as iconic as they get. Um, and when it comes to fitness, this is the first time where it really gets to be a difficult conversation to have. You know, I think that some people might be surprised that he's as low as seven. When you put his uh, resume on paper, fourth, 10th, and 25th, he did have four event wins in just three years. And obviously those numbers play very well. But basically there were quite a few good performances that year. And as good as Chris was, he never came out on the podium. He had, so, you know, some poor performances to offset those great performances being the reason for that. And the accomplishments that Chris has had as an athlete and then going on to lead his community um, in Utah out there has been a great staple in this space forever and extremely well respected by everyone, rightfully so. He comes in at seventh on our list for the uh, ranch era, though. Yeah, but he comes number one in another category, probably playlist. <laughs> he could probably sell the playlist from the ranch era for some money. What is that? It, oh, I have one of those. So little, uh, those little little pod, the iPod. It was like a, it was called the clip, iPod clip. I mean, you're not wrong. Like the the uh, attire and the apparel and the whole presentation of the athletes from back then is it's actually really cool to look back and kind of look to how far we've come at this point. Yeah, Dave has really done amazing things in terms of evolution of the sport, even from 20, 2009 to 2010, which we'll probably cover in a, a couple of weeks here. The evolution of the sport. So great job, Chris. Uh, I love the headsets. Hopefully, I wonder if he still has that stuff. We should ask him all the time. All right, moving on to number six. Number six, we got the big man, Tommy Hackenbrook. Uh, he makes his game's appearance, debut in 2009, finishes second place 
barely second place and takes an event win in the uh, infamous sledge workout. Uh, Tommy's a big, strong dude, much like Chris, has gone on to have an incredible career, not just as an athlete, but as a coach and a leader in this community, still coaching um, athletes and teams currently. And, uh, you know, if you dive into the article that I wrote about this, the, the margins were small. You know, he, bar- he barely lost that year. He had a really, really good performance overall. First place on an event, second place on an event, ninth place, seventh place. And this field was, you know, bigger, bigger in terms of total volume than we have now. Um, and, and it's just a matter of how do you value athletes that showed up three years at the games compared to one. And it's a really difficult thing to do, especially when we, we already know that the, the landscape of competitors from 2007 to eight to nine was consistently different. So definitely could have had an argument for Tommy being a little bit higher than this or the winner that year being a little bit lower, but ended up uh, kind of filtering him in, in here at number six and uh, obviously very, very deserving of being here. Oh yeah. And like I said, this was the beginning of great things ahead of him, especially in the team division for Tommy. So, you know, we, we probably won't see him. We probably will see his name again some, at some point. Move on to number five. Someone you know. Yeah, James Fitzgerald. I have had a chance to meet him. I went on and did OPEC certification there a few years back. Um, and he's the inaugural games champion. OPT, first place 2007. Comes back 12th in 2008, 13th in 2009. And actually relative to a lot of other uh, athletes who competed those three years, the drop-off in the third year, especially 2009, was less than most other people. We saw Brett Marshall, for example, go from you know, second to 39th in one year. In the totality of those three years, James is still able to hold on to three finishes of 13th or better. <clears throat> so very solid across the board there. And again, this is where those you know those margins just get difficult to assess. But um, whether you think he should be higher or lower on the list, no doubt an icon from that era, the original champion. And uh, you know, if you don't know much about James Fitzgerald in general, there's actually a bunch of great content out there that you can check out. He's a he's a fantastic mind in the fitness world. That he is, and like I said, he was able to to take the uh, methodology and turn it into something else that he was able to package uh, for those people that follow OPEX. And, and you actually were able to find multiple pictures for some of these guys. And the picture that's on the website has a little Easter egg watching him do a deadlift in the background. So if you haven't checked it out yet, go check that out and see if you recognize that face. I'm glad you caught that. <laughs> All right, moving on to number four. Yeah, number four is probably the least well-known of everyone from Spieler up to the top of this list, Jeremy Thiel. Three times competitor during that era, sixth place, third place, sixteenth place podiums in two thousand eight, and um, he's one of four guys on the list that did have uh, com- uh, appearances on all three stages of competition. The mar I kind of like dug into the margins with him here. Here, that remember that that two thousand eight year was every second counts, and there was kind of a lot of stuff going on. Um, he did great on the final workout, and the final workout that year was a heavy squat clean. Uh, race basically mm-hmm. and um it was a it was a massive separator for the field he made a big move against the field in that competition to get that that strong finish um and i felt that uh you know it was really tight between him and james but when i looked at everything that he'd accomplished during that time i think he had uh you know james capitalized on so you know a, some like small events and some big performances in a couple of them whereas jeremy had I thought more impressive across the board in all, I think it's 15 total events that they did. So he ends up getting just the slight nod here over James. Yeah. So he had that podium finish. Um, our next picture that we have, I couldn't find a picture of Miko to use on this, but uh, we'll go, go ahead with number three and talk about Miko. 
Yeah, and there is a good picture of him on the um, article online uh, the, from the iconic uh, Sandbag Hill run. It's great. It's actually a great. That's a great find because you can really see the agony and the pain in the competitors' faces in this one. Miko Salas, 2009 CrossFit Games champion. Um, so he comes in and is at the top of that group that I talked about with Steve. You know, the first, second, third, and fourth that year, they all were competing for the first time, and they all beat Jason Kalipa, who is the previous champion coming in. He's at the top of that pile. He was just, it was just pretty much uh, a, a nosing out of Tommy Hackenbrook, but pays to win. And so Miko checks in at three on our list. Yeah, um, we already had a lot of comments, and a lot of people have Miko as number one. So, you know, a little point of contention, but you have a little bit of data to back it up. So, you know, we'll just move on from there, I guess. Moving on to number two, Josh Everett. Yeah, number two, Josh Everett. He is uh, obviously has not, not a champion of the games. But third place in 2007, second place in 2008, and really through those two seasons, he was the most consistent and like the original kind of like class act of the field. Um, you know, he he finished second in 2008, just basically because Kalipa obliterates the final workout and and passed the entire heat by. Um, but he was he was phenomenal, uh, and I think you know a lot of people might know Josh from his. Uh, evolution in the sport as a as a red shirt and as an incredible practitioner especially of olympic lifting and teaching um you know foundational skills and movements he's an early adopter of the crossfit methodology that is a phenomenal you know human character and example in all regards and on top of it was a great athlete during this time so he checks in at number two and i think that for people who you know were around then there won't be too much dispute about him being this high on the list you know and but there is a point of contention with who you have at number one. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, Jason Kalipa checks in at the top spot on our list. Uh, it wasn't there in 2007. First place in 2008 and fifth in 2009. So, you know, he was beat by those, by four other men on this list in that uh, secondary year. But, you know, similarly to James and to um, Amico, you know, winning is like it does matter. And when you, you know, if you think about the history of the ranch era now, most people will, you know, if anything, they'll know who the three champions were. And it's unlike they'll know, they'll know anything behind that. So a championship weighs extremely hev heavily. And it was very difficult, especially in the case of Kalipa, to block out everything that he's done since then, because he obviously continues to go on and have some incredible finishes. But just in a vacuum, first and a fifth in those years, and that 2009 year especially. The fifth place is a little bit misleading. He had, uh, I think, 70% or something of his total points occurred on the first um, first workout. And from there on out, he had 34 to total points. 78 points won the competition. So, you know, if not for that trail run, you take that out of the equation. He was basic. He was like hands down the best the rest of the competition. We know he would go on to improve his aerobic conditioning several years later and like, kind of reinvigorate his career because of it. But I still think... When you look at just these three years, everything kind of like Jeremy compared to um, uh, James Fitzgerald, just every event when you lay it out on paper, I think it's pretty obvious that Jason Kalipa was the cream of the crop for the, for the competitors in those three seasons on the men's side. Yeah, I definitely. Um, I, I have the chance of reading these and editing them before they go out, and I can tell by reading this that you were having a lot of fun doing it. So, I mean, um, you know, great job on that. I mean, up next, we're going to talk about the women next week. Um, but is there anything you want to talk about when it comes to the totality of the, the top 10 men um, in conclusion? Yeah, I would say overall, it's it's for me, it's fun. It's just fun to go back, see some of the names, watch some of the performances. You know, you can look some of these things up and watch them on YouTube. And um, 
just kind of look at the leaderboards, evaluate scoring systems. There was, you know, three different scoring systems in three years there. They had some cuts back then, and you can kind of like uh, look and see some of these, like I said, breadcrumbs and tracks that were laid in terms of many of the things that became very relevant in Carson and in Madison and continue to be talked about today. So it's not just a study of the athletes, but also the origins of the CrossFit Games and what and where what it was then and what it's become now. There's been some massive uh, moves forward, obviously in terms of scope and size and global impact, uh, you know, and drawing athletes from all over the world. Um, but there's still some elements of that those original days and years that are core and critical components of the games now. And there's still some things that uh, were issues then that are still issues that are talked about now. And so on every front and level, I think there's a lot of value to going back and doing it, which is you know one of the reasons that I that I do every year. Yeah, well, we certainly enjoy it. I know I can't wait to talk about the women next week. Um, there, I, mean, I kind of got a sneak peek. It's pretty cool. Can't wait to hear what you have to say. If it's anything. If your research into them uh, is anything like the men, then you're gonna, we're going to have fun. Um, uh, I don't know if you noticed, but obviously something else that you can see on our Patreon page is we're putting out designs for our game shirt. So, uh, yeah, head on over to our Patreon page. Uh, take a look at some of this, a little sneak peek into what our, our game shirt. Uh, obviously, myself, Brian, Be Friendly Crew, we, uh, we're going to be there for the games. So, again, uh, we appreciate the support. Again, click the link in the bio. Uh, like, subscribe, leave a comment, please. If if you're if you don't like Brian's top ten, let us know who you t- who your top ten is or who your number one is. Brian doesn't mind having those conversations. Uh, Brian, any closing words to those people? No, just appreciate like I said in the intro the support from everyone who's already been doing so. And if you like what you're doing, uh, you know what to do. We want to make it you know uh, kind of well known now that we have those outlets for you to support us, and we appreciate everyone who can. So again, thank you and be friendly, our friends. That's it.